Welcome to the College Football Bros, where you have questions and we have answers. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros. I'm Michael Newman. I'm Ryan Newman. And I'm Trey Newman. So we did a mailbag episode uh, a few shows ago and got way too many questions. So this is part two of the mailbag. And let's get right into those. Our first question comes from Pass the Damn Ball. Very good question here. USC, Texas, or Miami to make the playoff in the next three years? Yes or no? And then he asks, next two years? My answer is to is no for three years. I'm going to say none of them. Uh, make make the make the playoff. Michael's looking at me puzzled. Um, well, I'm I'm just puzzled as to what your your answer will be for two years. Then, <laughs> <laughs> hell no. Okay. <laughs> no, it's just it's hard to make the playoff. It really is. It's, you know, the Pac-12 seems. How long has it been since they ma- they made it? Five years. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, 2016 Washington. I don't know. Right. It's it's been a long time for them to do it. So it, just winning the conference isn't good enough. You have to almost go undefeated if you're in the Pac-12 lately to to, to get to get in there, um, especially when you know you got the SEC and the Big Ten. Um, you know they're pretty much guaranteed to have at least two from the you know from that those conferences. Likely a you know oftentimes a third is get another team from the SEC. So and, you know and it's just like I said, I think the you know the ACC has been pretty weak. I'm not trusting Miami. Miami's been down for so long. It's hard for them to for me to imagine that crystal ball in a matter of three years just all of a sudden make them a playoff team in Texas. Same deal. <laughs> it's you know, uh not not seeing them having the, the the big turnaround to do that. I don't know. I'm just I'm not buying it yet. I'm gonna lean no too. Um maybe not as defiant. Uh I'm gonna be pretty high on Miami this year just because of uh but not necessarily a playoff threat. I like that they're all in. Cristobal will will recruit well, but still a little bit of a hill to climb. So I really kind of looked more at USC and Texas for this question over the next few years. Texas's talent that they're compiling gives them a chance, but we just need to see them actually parlay that on on the field. Um, I think they will improve. Still have to beat Oklahoma uh, each year. Um, and then there's always a new suitor in the Big 12. To Ryan's point, it makes it hard to actually win your conference. USC is intriguing because the Pac-12 is there for the taking. Um, Lincoln Riley should be able to build around Caleb Williams but they just they still have some dramatic improvements they need to make uh, on the rest of the team. Okay, I am uh, I guess more bullish on these teams than than you guys are cuz for the 3 years I'm it's it's not even that close for me. I'm saying yes. I I would not saying Good. I'm saying like yes, well over 50% chance in, in my opinion that one of them makes it just cuz I mean, USC, you've got Caleb Williams the next two years, and what is, of course, going to be a couple great recruiting classes. Trey, you just mentioned Pac-12 is is there for the taking. Uh, Miami, you've got Tyler Van Dyke, a promising young quarterback, probably for the next couple years, and what will be lights out recruiting from Cristobal. And I think the ACC is kind of there for the taking. I know Clemson, of course, is very, very good, but you know they just had a uh, mortal season. There could be more mortal seasons from them. Um and Texas, you've got Quinn Ewers and continued great recruiting from Sark. So three promising young quarterbacks and I think excellent recruiting from from those schools. You know, I the way I kind of did this is I kind of just threw out percentages. Okay, what's the percentage chance in years one, two, and three each of these schools win? And when I kind of multiplied it out, I was like, 
even though it's very low each year for each of the teams, like even if I gave them an 8% chance on average for these schools to make the playoff every year, which I think in some cases in years two and three, it's going to be much higher than that. But when you do that, there's a greater than 50% chance that one of them makes the playoff. So even I can't in two wait years, to... two years was very tough for me, but I actually slightly lean yes. Maybe Ryan, I'm, let's set the, let, let's set the reminder for three years from yeah, now. Yeah, bad takes exposed. Yeah, bad takes. <laughs> All right. Maybe you and I will well, be bad be me, takes next year, Ryan. One yeah. of us. <laughs> Man, I mean, just especially, I mean, actually all three of them, but like really like Miami and USC, both of those schools are going to just recruit lights out these yeah, next dude, couple of years. No, I don't, well I don't, it's, I'm not saying before, it's though. impossible at all. What's that, Ryan? They've recruited well at times in the past, though, and they still haven't done it. I, but uh, that's I, what am I? Because the teams have recruited well regimes. and didn't do well, then suddenly. No, I'm just saying, like it's just not an automatic. It's still very. It's, no, it's small not an automatic. Chance. But when you yeah. combine it with with USC, a really good coach, Lincoln Riley, with mm-hmm. Miami, a guy who's Mario Cristobal did really well with much less talent than he will have at Miami. I don't know. Um, It'll be interesting. Okay, we disagree. That's fine. I want to hear the listeners what they think. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, okay. Next question from uh, Pass the Damn Ball. Who will be a better team in 2023, Oklahoma or USC? In 23, I'm going to lean towards SC. For 22, I might go to Oklahoma. They're a bit more established. Um, I, I just feel overall, though, for this question, a bit more confident with Lincoln Riley than Brent Venables. Um, OU, they're not all of a sudden going to be bad, uh, but they have a lot of new faces on their roster. Uh, after the you know the attrition this offseason combine that with the new staff venables has never been a head coach the big 12 is also at the moment a little bit deeper um so it might be slightly slightly harder for them to to kind of break through in the conference riley i think he's going to get the most out of the offense he's already generating so much buzz via the transfer portal recruiting pac-12 open for the taking as we've said so i'm leaning sc i'm gonna go the other way i'm gonna take oklahoma um, yes, I know they they lose Caleb Williams, but hey, I think Dylan Gabriel is going to come in and do a great job. He had great numbers there at UCF, and I think Jeff Lebby's. But we're but talking twenty twenty three from now. Is, is Gabriel going to? Yeah, Gabriel's. Oh, fair point. Well, <laughs> he's going to lead them <laughs> this, to, this year. This year, yeah, you could be right. Yeah, this year I'd go OU. He's played three years, right? But didn't last year not count? The two years ago, not, yeah, no, I, I actually not. don't know his eligibility. Maybe he could come back. I don't know. Hey, I, I just like I th- I wanted to. I corrected you because I thought you might be thinking it was just 2020. No, I, I mean, he's played three, I think, but I think only, but one of them didn't count, right? Because that COVID year doesn't count. I don't so, know. Okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So yeah, he could, uh, he could come back next year. Thank you. All right. All right. All right. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, Dylan Gabriel is a great quarterback. Got some great numbers there at UCF. <laughs> if, if, he's, if he's so great that he might go pro <laughs> after this year. Well, that's true, but... If that's the case, the OU probably had a pretty darn good year, and uh, they have some probably some good talent around them that made them do, do so well. And I still think they do have great talent. Um, they've been the class of the Big 12 for so long, they're still going to have, yeah, they lost a few guys uh, to transfer, but it's not like they lost their whole entire roster. They still have good talent compared to the rest of the Big 12. Um, and I think Brent Venables is going to keep the recruiting going well. He finished strong, actually, he this year with the recruiting trail. So yeah. I don't know. Uh, I think they're going to have their defense with Venables, I think, will probably improve. The offense might regress some, but... I think they're still the class of the conference. Yeah, I. Uh, this is a tough question. Yeah, you made some good points there, Ryan. Um, I definitely would take OU this year um, mm-hmm. as being better than USC. Uh, not that they definitely will be better, but that would definitely be my prediction. Um, but I don't know. I'm just. 
I'm pretty confident in Lincoln Riley's recruiting, but that's it's only tw- he doesn't have much time. It's 2023, yeah. so mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it is a tough and and it's close. And USC close. has he's not inheriting a great roster, Lincoln Riley at USC. So there is exactly. a lot of work the to be done. Got some work to do. The defense for sure has a ton of work to do. Um, but I don't know for some reason I leaned USC. I think it's because of the Caleb Williams factor. Like I know you've got Caleb Williams in year three, who is maybe maybe he'll be the best quarterback in college football. So for that reason, and just the, I, I think Lincoln Riley's, what he did this year in the transporters portal was great. I think he'll be able to pull some elite guys next year as well. So uh, maybe I'll lean USC, but I, I don't feel great about it. <laughs> it's a good question. I like it. Okay. Next one. Uh, again, from, from past the damn ball, who would win an sec all-star team or a G five all-star team. And you know what? I think Joel's, this is Joel, of course, he's a patron who asked the question. Uh, I was complimentary of his previous questions. I, I, don't, I don't think this one's close. I, yeah. I, SEC. Yeah. SEC would dominate. Yeah. It, in 2021, they had 12 first-round draft picks. The G5 had two. 2020, SEC had 15 first-rounders. G5 had one. I just, yeah, I don't think this one's close. It's like Bama versus G5. <laughs> Bama all-star Yeah, team. really, that, that would be a yeah. better, that would be, a, I think, a better question. <laughs> yeah <laughs> joel he can handle it it's fine he probably it's true he can handle he'll it. say like yeah you know what that i'm you guys are right i mean the Other g5 questions. there's a bigger pool but yeah there's hey, just not enough depth two out of the three questions were real good <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> all right moving on to deeks 1648 who is the first coach to get fired in 2022 why are you gonna be so dark Kenny? No, I was going to say this is a good question. I don't want to keep trashing our listeners' questions. <laughs> um, so we are well. We should probably note that we are recording this episode uh, a little bit in advance. So if anything has changed, uh, that is why we yeah. we don't know it. But probably nothing's changed. I'm going to say Brian Harson at Auburn because it mm. seems like uh, a heavy buyout is is what saved him for now. Now. The first coach fired is probably going to be fired during the season, so the buyout will still be the same for Harson. But if they if Auburn starts out poorly, yeah, then you'll just know it's done. I just feel like it'll be so clear that it's done that maybe the boosters will find the money to to just pull the plug. So uh, with that chance, I'll I'll say Harson. It's a weird thing going on down there. Um, Scott Frost. Okay, he was so you think that he, on the he could seat. be fired? during the season because right the, the, whoever, yes, whoever wins this question you get fired like week five or whatever well, this is I don't this think is the do would. or die year for frost so like you know no, i you know lose to northwestern out of the gate and then you get beaten up by ou and then had another bad loss when they're in the, our first six games or something or, you know OU's the only good team if we have a few losses already i think he's gone I'd there's be, nothing there'd I'd be, be no reason to wait anymore it's like well we're not this is it this is your five this is the do or die year for him so I agree he might have the hottest seat, but I just don't know if they'd pull the plug during the year. That's why I went with Harson. Give it the to Whipple. Person I, the only person I thought was um, Herm Edwards because of the yeah. the scandal yeah. and the on-field well, performance. He could be gone before the season. Improve. Yeah, good point. That was the only thing I was going. But again, there's other hot seats out there. But the, I was just trying to think of in-season firings. Yeah, that's a good thought. Uh, Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech needs to show something yeah. this year. Um Dino FSU every year like, yeah Dean, yeah Dino Babers but he's uh, I, I think he's well famous last words but I think he'll be yeah. okay um yeah. 
FSU, yeah, Mike Norvell. I think FSU is yeah. going to improve. They've got a brutal schedule this year. So if some bounces don't go his way and he gets off to a cold start, then who knows? Yep. All righty. Let's move on to the next question, guys. Uh, we have some similar questions here. Um, first one we got from Aaron Chapman, 12. Um, if you were named the college football commish uh, with full power to change five things, what would you change um, and why? And then we had another question from uh, Deeks, 1648, Mr. Kenny. What is the most glaring change you would make to the current state of college football, whether it's admin or on the field? So, All right. I guess so just I get, probably we'll each give a couple, maybe. Sure. Yeah, and I, some of ours might might duplicate. I, I imagine. Yeah. Um, m- number one for me, uh, I would like just because we just went through it. I would like to change the signing day back to early February uh, and not have the early signing period. Or if they do, let's at least make it after the bowl games. There's just there's so much turnover in coaching staffs um, and and transfers that those early commits and signees they're already looking to change or transfer in some cases already once the next signing day comes around. So it was and and just for selfish reasons, it was fun to have the almost the holiday yeah, of that it one big fun. signing day after the year. Uh, and then should I just name my second or let you guys sure. go? What do you guys go want for to it. do? All right. And then my other thing is about scheduling. I would not allow such advanced scheduling of, of games. Um, I'd like to keep it within, you know, a couple years, like each year, the, the NFL, they drop their schedule and it's fun getting to see where your team's going to go, where they're going to play. Uh, and maybe every team could, could have an one open spot the year before so that you could create good matchups that would really help like in the G five. Uh, so I think that would be more fun. Okay. Yeah. Those are, those are good ones. Um, I my first one I guess I'll I'll do one admin and then one kind of on the field. So I would give players a a share of the revenue. I'm I'm not smart enough to know exactly how that would look, but whether that's, you know, pay for play directly from the schools or, you know, whether that's getting, you know, setting aside some revenue for ongoing healthcare coverage for injuries players sustain during college, whatever it is, I I just think that uh they should share in share in that revenue. And then um, on the field, this is a stupid one. I, I didn't really think of a good one, but put put a microphone in the in the headsets for the quarterbacks and put a you know communication oh, system yeah. like they have like in the, the NFL. NFL. Just seems like why not? I, I I think cost was kind of the reason, but we can afford it. That I'm sure we can stupid. find the money to, yeah. <laughs> to be able to yeah, put, that, yeah, really? put those in. So it just seems seems like it would make things easier. It's a good one. Uh, all right, I got a couple here. Uh, first, I want to change the playoff. Four teams seems really dumb. What what type of <laughs> tournament is that? Four teams? Well, it's just a dumb number. Okay. So two is I was okay. I would have rather had to stick with two than go to four, honestly. So just put it at eight or twelve, and I'll be fine with that. Um, on the field, uh, fumbling it into the end zone wouldn't be a touchback anymore. Um, I would say it's a ten yard penalty from the previous spot. I just think it's too harsh of a, a penalty when it's just touchback for the other team. I think that's, I don't like that. Um, Kenny's going to love this one. Um, getting rid of this targeting suspension. Um, cool with the, the penalty Ejection. and whatnot. Or I, well, I, you guess... know, I can maybe even understand ejecting from the game, that game, but I could understand that um, if it's bad or something. But like, if you're talking about spending them for the first half of the next I, I'm not, I don't know. I think that's kind of dumb. Just well, like, then keep fourth it to that quarter, game. one minute left. I am targeting the crap out of everybody, right? No, I'm kidding. But... <laughs> hey, well, you're going to get a 15-yard penalty, bro. So. Okay, okay. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> I uh, wouldn't. For the uh, 
thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Michael just spearing thing, I, people. I don't know how this would <laughs> work, but I love the soccer system over in Europe where they have the relegation and promotion of the teams. So if you're like the worst team in oh, like wow. the SEC, you get dropped down and, you know, whatever. UCF from the AAC gets to play in the SEC or something like that. That would be pretty cool. It gives some teams like Vandy and, you know, whoever's bad in the SEC, sometimes South Carolina, whoever it might be, Mizzou, gives them a little bit of a thing at the end of the year, like, oh, let's go. It gives you a reason to cheer. <laughs> it would it would make lower <laughs> games more interesting, that's for sure. So, yeah. yeah, that is a bonus. All right, good questions. Uh, moving on, Rutgers Todd has a question. Did the three of you watch TGIF growing up? And if so, what was your favorite show? This that is we such did. a Todd question, by the way. Yeah, yes, it yeah. is. We we did watch TJ. We enjoyed it. Um, I think we're all gonna have to say the same thing here. Boy Meets World. Yeah, that was oh. that was my favorite. Yeah, yeah. Corey and yeah. Topanga. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mr. Feeny. <laughs> oh, yeah. I uh, we also watched Full House. Maybe not as intently, but uh, oh yeah, there was a lot of Full yeah, House no, watching. We did. we did. Yeah, but Boy Meets World took the cake. By the way, probably like a third of the listeners don't know what TGIF is. So it was no Friday night on ABC. They had a bunch of um, sitcoms and most, I mean, mostly geared towards like kids. I would think, but family kids. Yeah, family yeah, family shows. That's yeah. the word for it. Yeah, like yeah, because yeah. You know, Full House was, you know, adults and stuff would watch that and mm-hmm. enjoy it. Dinosaurs. Urkel was what? So Dinosaurs was, holi- there was a couple episodes that I remember cracking up, but I, I'm guessing if I went back and watched it, it would probably be the stupidest thing ever. But I remember at the time thinking it was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. All right. Moving on to Dan Savage underscore live. What are the best G5 versus G5 games of 2022? He listed a couple. Toledo at San Diego State, UTEP at Boise State. Michael, yeah. what do you think? I'm pissed at Dan because he kind of took the good ones here because <laughs> those are those are some solid ones. It's especially Toledo at SDSU. I like that one. Um it was hard to find, honestly, a lot of and I'm I'm only looking at non-conference ones, uh, just because I don't know, he threw out a couple non-conference ones and I don't know, for some reason, I yeah. assumed that's what he was asking about. Maybe that wasn't. But uh, Houston at UTSA week one, that's a, that's a pretty good mm-hmm. one for sure. Uh, a couple mm-hmm. of, well, especially UTSA, an up-and-coming program. And then um, Memphis hosts North Texas. Uh, that could be a good one. North Texas closed the season really strong and return a lot of production. Um, James Madison is hosting Middle Tennessee. That's oh, going to yeah. be their first game as an FBS member. And they'll they'll be favored. Yeah, because I was just gonna say they'll probably be favored in that game. Um, of course, you got Air Force, Navy. Always interesting, though. Navy's had a couple of rough years, so that's that's kind of all I could come bounce back. They'll bounce back at some point. Is that what you said? You never know. They always will at some point. Yeah, I remember the last. Yeah, they've they've had surprising big win seasons before. Yep. Um, but anyway, yeah, they, I couldn't. Otherwise, it's their most of their games on the schedule are playing. I guess like Power Five teams. Uh, so. Those were all I could find. I will say, again, we're recording this episode in advance, and Marshall hosts App State. As of right now, that's one of the best non-conference games, uh, G5 games of the season. But Marshall is trying to join the Sun Belt, and there is some uh, dispute there, which might go to court. So we'll see if, if yeah. it is an in-conference or non-conference game. True. Uh, all right. Yep. Those are some good ones. 
Uh, moving on, question from uh, Spartan Ty. Uh, with Mel Tucker's staff um, having guys like Jay Johnson, Harlan Barnett, Courtney Hawkins, and adding um, someone like uh, Marco Coleman, who has lots of NFL guys he's trained, the Watt brothers, Von Miller, Von Miller etc. Um, does MSU low-key have one of the best staffs uh, in the big? Trey Mann. The big, I know. the big, the big. <laughs> B1G, Big Ten. I don't know. Hey, low big key, 10, yes, baby. but I'm not going to say elite yet. I mean, the the thing though the, with this question it allowed me to dig a bit bit deeper on him. Jay Johnson, he's done a tremendous job this past year of utilizing the players he had on offense, got the most out of them. Um, the defense was a liability, so Hazelton. He has a good track record previously, but he needs uh, a good year in 2022. But that's why they got a guy like he mentioned, Coleman, coached the D-line. Courtney Hawkins is one of the better recruiters in the country. Uh, he And they started this cycle out pretty well, so that could help. But like when I'm looking at the Big Ten, Ohio State is, I think, the best. Kevin Wilson, Jim Knowles with Ryan Day. Penn State's got um, some good talent. They brought in Manny Diaz to be a defensive coordinator. Wisconsin has Jim Leonard. That in itself is pretty good. So... uh they're, they're, Spartans are good, but maybe not cream of the crop yet. That's fair. Uh, next question from Shrew. Uh, similar to a question. Oh, yeah. He says, similar to a question asked to Mike Leach at WSU, if each mascot in the Big Ten went to battle, who would win? Right. Uh, there's some decent options here. You got uh, Sparty's tough. You know, he's got a, some big muscles. Okay. So you took the actual mascots. I was wondering if we were going actual mascots or like the the nicknames of the team. Oh, it says mascots. Oh, I'm going it mascot. It does say mascot. So yeah, maybe reading is not my <laughs> yeah. best, my strong suit. <laughs> I get it. So Sparty's tough. The Scarlet Knight is also kind of tough for, from, from Rector's. Um, I'm certainly not betting on uh, Testudo, the, the turtle. Um, <laughs> no, poor yeah. guy. But I think you got to go with the Nittany lion. I mean, a lion, man, come on. Okay, but it's a it's what I was. What is a Nittany lion? Was my question, and I don't know if it's anything. But I think their lion it's a mountain lion or a cougar, so not a lion lion. Uh, well, I'm Michael's getting lion. very Michael's getting very literal with this. Mountain lion, lion is still, it's a, I, I know. I don't know, man. No, what I, is I, it? You see that video I of a guy backing up from a mountain lion? Uh, yeah, that was a, the scariest video ever, dude. That was pretty terrifying. Do you think any of those other mascots are going to beat that? I don't know if that's a hey, lion. The but. only one that would, I think, is Purdue Pete because he carries a massive hammer at all times. That's mm-hmm. gonna help him. Mm-hmm. So that's gonna help him. Herbie's got farm strength. Watch out. He does. Yeah. He does. Okay. I uh if we're going the actual mascots, then I well, either way, I think I might go the Scarlet Knight. Just because he's trained as a fighter. He's got a sword a sword, I would assume. Uh, I think, and yeah. and just he's got more armor than Sparty, so I like that. Yeah, Sparty is mm. yeah, Sparty's strong. Yeah, I mean, it's good. That, if you're, if it's the literal he actual he's the mascot, strongest human. Yeah, then maybe mm-hmm. Sparty, but if it's just like the nickname, I like the Scarlet Knights. All right, all right, good. All right, moving on. The Nick Rodriguez podcast. If y'all were on an island, which former Heisman winner would you take with you? You can only take one. Not OJ Simpson. Definitely not that. Oh, God. That was my answer. <laughs> that was my <laughs> No. Definitely not. Oh. Um <laughs> I would say Joe Burrow. Like Joe Burrow seems very cool. He seems like he would uh he seems like he could get along with anybody, so which it's it's tough to get along with me, so that that's saying something. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, you know, I'm surprised you didn't say Ricky Williams, just get high all the time. I, if he had, if he brought I, his supply, then hey, got nothing else to do. Highs, so what, is his Nick, what is it? What is his uh, company called? He, the Heisman. High. Heisman. That's right. That's, oh, right. Yeah. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Uh, I'm ignoring age here. I'm going to go Steve Spurrier. Uh, he likes playing golf, always seems to have a good time, making jokes. He even goes to Arby's, we know. I'm going to hang with Spurrier. There's not going to be any Arby's well, on this this island. He says islands. Oh, I'm taking well, it as in like stranded on Yeah, an island. he never said yeah. deserted, yeah. but I assumed it was deserted. So well, I'm going there's Tim an Tebow. Arby's everywhere. <laughs> Tim Tebow? Tim Tebow. Why? Yes. He's an ultra motivator, so I feel like if I'm down and I'm like really, you know, not feeling like I can live anymore. Tim Tebow can pump me up and motivate me to stay alive. Hey, if you don't feel like you can live anymore, OJ could help you out as well. <laughs> OJ's there. He's always there. Yeah. <laughs> no. uh, I like Baker uh, Mayfield. If, I, if, you, if we're talking about like chilling an island, ba- Baker would be cool. I feel like Baker would make fun of me or something. He would He would think he's cooler than <laughs> it's me. true. Which maybe yeah. is true. And Joe Burrow's definitely cooler, but he wouldn't act like it. That's my opinion. Yeah. All right, then the next question. He's maybe digging a little bit. What other podcasts do you listen to? The Nick Rodriguez podcast. Uh, Ryan and I have yeah, yeah, Ryan yeah. and I have both been guests on that. He's we have, and he does a great job, especially because he hasn't invited Trey. So that's he really knows his, his <laughs> stuff there. It's <laughs> always the stuff. Um, does. I listen to a lot of college football podcasts, of course, like pretty much all of them. The Audible, Cover Three, Andy Staples Show, Solid Verbal, Split Zone Duo. That's not an exhaustive list, but those are some of them. Um, I listen to a few sports betting cod po- podcasts hosted by yeah. Advantage Betters. One of them, Bet the Process, which is very good. Circles Off is a new one in the last year that I've been been listening to, which is really good. Um, and then the only comedy podcast I listen to is My Brother, My Brother, and Me. Very good one. Is that about us? Or? It's not, but it works. It is three oh. brothers, so it kind of works mm. out. All right. I got to be honest, I don't listen to podcasts. So the only one maybe I'll listen to is Three Man Weave. Um, the basketball podcast, they're college really good. We've yeah. had them on our show. So that kind of introduced me to them. And I love college basketball. But, you know, I very rarely do I even listen to those. I forgot to add one more. Trivia Rewrites is a trivia and news podcast. That's I've host- listened to some of those. Yeah. The, the, uh, those are very good. Hosted by a friend of I mine, like and it's it's really good. It's very entertaining. Yeah, that's yep. true. Uh, so yeah, Nick Rodriguez podcast. I do listen to Pardon My Take. Um, I listen to Bet the Process as well, and then some Nebraska ones occasionally, like the Nick Baugh podcast. But I'm 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 not a massive podcast listener like you, Mike. Yeah, a lot of podcasts. Yeah. I don't even listen to us. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Neither, neither do I. We live it. <laughs> we live it. All right. Uh, next question is from uh, Davy Nami. Davy Nami. Um, where? I'm sorry. What will Marcus? <laughs> Mar- <laughs> oh, he said where very clearly and loudly. I was like, this isn't good. <laughs> no, nope. this is not right. <laughs> <laughs> what will Marcus's free Marcus Freeman's tenure look like? Um, also, is Marcus Freeman the best looking coach in college football? Well, as far as the best looking coach, I mean, he, he's he got some swag, but, you know, so does Mike Gundy. He's got swag. So, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, I, I'm not going to give an honest answer there. Um, but as far as, like, the serious part, the, what his tenure is going to look like, I'm optimistic on, on Freeman. He's inheriting, inheriting a very good program. 
uh, very stable program, kind of like Lincoln Riley a few years ago was inheriting a top 10 team a few years back. Um, he, Freeman, he's known as an elite recruiter, so that's kind of the name of the game in today's college football, and he showed in this class that he's got the chops there. So I don't think there's a reason to, to see why their on-field success would dramatically decline. Yeah, I think anybody, even Brian Kelly, if he stayed, would struggle to replicate the success they've had and like the consistent great success they've had the last three or four years so if that's the bar then i'm not sure if he'll uh meet that or surpass that but but i'm with you i'm i'm optimistic um he's it's the recruiting like the fact that he's going to up the recruiting so even if he is a worse coach than brian kelly they they could still win nine or ten games consistently every single year but i will say we can't just assume that he's going to be good like we you just you don't know he's never been a head coach before it's an unknown there is uh there's a high ceiling but uh but there's also you know a lower floor than than you had with kelly um as far as is he the best looking coach in college football i think i'll say yes he's he's definitely in the discussion um and i went through every single fbs coach and (laughs) pulled out pulled out some other good ones so here we go mario cristobal mike norvell oh pj fleck scott frost yeah willie taggart andy avalos Kyle Whittingham, Jamie Chadwell, Justin Wilcox, just to name a few. I think they're all in the debate. All right. But I'll go Marcus Freeman. Yeah, Kyle Whittingham. Really? Really? I'm not seeing it. Silver Fox. (laughs) You're not seeing it? I'm seeing it. (laughs) No, I... (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) I'm sorry he's not Larry Fedora, Ryan. Larry Fedora is not a head coach anymore. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Ryan wanted to see him with his shirt off. What? Uh, no. <laughs> Stop Trey, it. that was off pod. That was off pod, Trey. <laughs> uh, how could I forget? Uh, <laughs> told you that in confidence. <laughs> All right. Um Marcus Freeman. What? Yeah, I I'm I'm I don't know. I for me it's so hard with a new head coach to to debate to see how he's gonna do. I don't think he's gonna be to, to me, it's like, okay, is he going to have as much success as Brian Kelly had at Notre Dame? And I'm going to say no. I don't think he will. Um, yeah, I think he, it's just, they said, Brian Kelly did such, set such a high bar. And he, Brian Kelly, I, you can't just take him for granted. He was so good. I mean, he recruited well. He always produced good teams. So if you're looking that for, at that bar, I just don't think he'll be as successful. Okay. Next question from voiceitu.vas. Are Dan Lanning and Tosh Lapoy the best defensive duo in college football for Oregon? I think they're up there. Um, I wouldn't put them at number one. I, I do kind of want to see what Lanning does um, outside of Georgia and outside of Kirby Smart's kind of shadow there before I'm going to put them number one. Tosh Lapoy is great get to go with them too. But um, I, I have others like I like Jim Knowles and Larry Johnson out of Ohio State. That's that's quite a duo. Larry Johnson, yeah. of course, has proven for a long, long time to be great. And Jim Knowles took Oklahoma State to elite levels on defense, which is unheard of. Um, I think they're probably ahead of ahead of landing, in my opinion, right now. And then I also have Brent Venables and Todd Bates uh, at Oklahoma. I think that's a great a great duo. They Todd Bates did wonders for Clemson's D line, and of course Venables' overall defense there was just dominant for so long. So. You know, I could consider Lanning or Lanning and Lupoy at three, but not above those other two. Yeah, and Lupoy, I think as a recruiter, he is unbelievable. Right. Mm-hmm. I think still reputationally as a X's and O's guy is a bit of a question mark. I think he had 
reportedly his uh, play calling duties taken away the one time he was a defensive coordinator at Alabama. So that part is maybe a little bit of a question mark. Yep. I mean, you know, he's not going to call him, but oh, just... Lanning's going to call the place. Actually, I don't know. Good question. I don't know. I would assume, but I don't either know. way. All right. Next one's from Aaron Chapman 12. How would you divide up the new 16 team SEC two or four divisions and who in each? Okay. So what do you think Mike? Yeah, we answered Ryan answered this question. I think, I don't know some previous episode but it was a while back um and it was ryan you want michael's answers to this so here we go <laughs> ryan just no you don't okay <laughs> just uh, insert my answers please so i i don't think yeah i don't think two divisions make sense with that many teams just because even as it is with the 14 team sec there's certain teams are not playing each other for several years like yeah florida has not played a game at alabama since 2014 that to me is is dumb so yeah you could have four pods which of course has been proposed by lots of people and the your schedule each year would be the three other teams in your pod and uh plus two from each of the other three and so you would have a home and home with every team in the sec um in each four-year cycle so here's the pods that i have and they're not i, I think this is probably the most popular um, recommendation and for a reason i think it it kind of s- splits up the great teams and um preserves you know as many rivalries as you can you're going to lose some rivalries that's just going to yep. happen so first pod texas oklahoma arkansas and missouri yeah. easy and then next one lsu texas a&m mississippi state and ole miss so you per yeah the first one you preserve texas ou this one you're you're preserving the mississippi schools together um and then just kind of geography wise makes sense lsu and a&m uh next one florida georgia kentucky and south carolina and then the last one alabama auburn tennessee and vanderbilt so i i like these pods because yeah like if i was going to say which one's the best which is there a murderer's row pod not really i mean alabama auburn tennessee is pretty good but then you got vanderbilt in there so um they're all pretty darn even it's yeah yeah it would just depend on the year who's the best they would each have their day yeah so the rivalry i think that i mean there's a few that are left out but the deep deep south's oldest rivalry between georgia and auburn would no longer be every year so that's a tough there's talk about um preserving some of those even between pods but that to me kind of defers defeats the purpose of the pods because you want to have that home and home every four years. So, um, I don't it know. It would maybe. be so easy to schedule it where it'd be fair and equitable in those pods. But if you try to preserve some of those, then it's just all of a sudden the scheduling won't be equitable. You're going right. to have teams that have harder schedules than others consistently. You know, I think there's got to be some sacrifices. Sorry. Georgia and Auburn are still going to play, but just not every year. Yep. Every other year. Okay. Next question is from Davey. And he says, dream coaching staff of all time using just head coaches. So what do you think, Trey? All right. Uh, my my head guy, and really any three of these guys obviously would be head because they were elite head coaches. But I'm going to say Nick Saban, of course. Yep. He's ar- arguably the GOAT now with all the success he's had over the last decade plus. And then I'm going to go, I'm just bias and I want to go with an option offense and I'm going to watch Tom Osborne, one of the best coaches of all time, running my offense, uh, a little bit of unique style. And then on the on the defensive side, I went I went just crazy. 
I wanted to see Newt Rockney. Oh wow. Uh, he went he went 105, 12, and five, three national titles. I know this was in the early 1900s, but the, the reason I also picked him was because I looked up his defense. He ran a 7-2-2 defense, which <laughs> with the talent that we would accumulate, <laughs> I think he could make it work in today's game. 7-2-2. Wow. It's yeah. changed a little bit. Yeah, yeah. not Next, a lot of passing. we're going to have yeah, a 1-5-4. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I, um, I had Nick Saban as my head coach. Offensive coordinator... I was between Spurrier or Lincoln Riley, and just because I don't want to go all super recent, I'll, I'll say Steve Spurrier. He was revolutionary, had some great offenses in the mid-90s at Florida. And then defensive coordinator, I'm going Kirby Smart. He was Alabama's DC during one of the greatest runs of defense of all time. And of course, at Georgia now has won a national title with yeah. an all-time great defense. Special teams, one-third of the game. Frank oh. Beamer, Beamer ball. Yeah. That's an easy choice there. Yeah. Virginia Tech always had great. Urban Urban likes to do that too. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I don't want to go through every position coach. I do not know enough <laughs> about these right. old head coaches and yeah. their specialties. But I will. I'll name a couple. Coach O. I'll have him coaching the D line and recruiting. Uh, maybe Mario Cristobal on the O line and Pete Carroll as my my defensive backs coach. Well, you guys, those are some good ones. You guys took about all the lists that you could have there. Try to think of who else would you want. Who else could you consider uh, in, in these? Did anybody say like Urban Meyer for sure? No one Nobody said really Urban. Said, or, I, no. You know, Urban, I didn't you, break down my, I went the, the, just the three main coaches, but yeah, Urban would be up there. Um, yeah. Okay. Last questions from Rutgers Todd. Who would win in a tickle fight between Michael <laughs> and patron Braden? Mm. I'm going to have to go with, uh, Braden, Braden uh, seems like one of those freaks that just doesn't get tickled. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> like you can just try it. Yeah, he's like he, not flinching at all. Wow, you freak! How do you do that? And he he loves to to do anything to bring Michael down, so he will win this at all costs. Okay, fair enough. I'm not going to argue that. Uh, <laughs> any thoughts? You're pretty ticklish, Mike. Right? I mean, I average i would say i don't know <laughs> you know normal level of ticklish uh any thoughts on the latest round of fcs realignments and could you see any hbcus move into stronger conferences i.e hampton moving to the caa yeah there's a there's been a lot of movement at the uh the fcs uh, level lately you know the whack you know, has had a large kind of part in that. Um, they've taken a lot of those kind of Texas schools like Sam Houston and Stephen F. Austin. Um, so they've, and they've also added a couple of schools from Utah as well. So they're kind of make, making a comeback the whack. So that's definitely altering some things. But, and I like some of the moves that they're making. Just some of those schools, those programs have had really good programs and they're better than some of the teams that are, you know, quote unquote, like in the stronger divisions or stronger, stronger, higher divisions than them. So, it's cool for them, like, you know, the James Madisons to that have been so successful to see how they'll do. We saw Coastal come in doing really, really well. Uh, we saw uh, Appalachian State do really It seems like all the teams that come in do well. So um, I, I like it. Um, so as far as the HBCUs, you know, I, I'm, I, I think you'll see more move to stronger conferences. I mean, once a one domino falls, I, I think you tend to kind of see, see more kind of happen. And you know, they're clearly getting more respect nowadays, it seems like, too. You, you know, you got 
Travis Hunter, uh, the number one recruit going to to Jackson State, Dion's Jackson State. I mean, that's that's big for 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 the HBCUs to gain a lot of that attention and national publicity. So. I, I just think more and more recruits will go that way. Um, I, I don't think that trend's going to stop. I think the trend's just going to get bigger. I think they're going to be more competitive. So I do think more teams of those HBCUs will get offers to come to stronger conferences. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't pay very close attention to FCS. I, I know that's, I feel like that is a, a non-sicko college football thing to say, but I have enough trouble following, you know, the 130, I guess now 131 or whatever it is, uh, FBS teams, but yeah, that was interesting deep dive there, Ryan. Yep. All righty. Thanks for listening to this episode of the College Football Bros. Uh, be sure to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify if you haven't already. And uh, go have a tickle fight. Why not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Talk to you next week. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. Keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros, follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros, and for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.